Hello, everybody, and welcome to Spark Podcast by Circostrada, a podcast on the future of circus tents. very much for listening. My name is Maaike van Lange, former artistic director of Circustad Festival in Rotterdam, and I'll be your host for this episode. Circostrada is the European network for contemporary circus and outdoor arts. They organize many forms of meetups to advocate for the circus sector. Spark is a cross-sectoral laboratory This time it was hosted by Circostrada and Festival Circolo in Tilburg, the Netherlands, in April 2022. 18 different professionals from different corners of Europe were invited to talk about topics around the future of circus tents. Different voices were heard during these two days, from artists to tour managers, from festival organizers to designers. It'll hopefully give you a taste for new conversations coming ahead. It's my pleasure to take you on a journey through these conversations. Anyone who's ever been to an international circus meetup knows it's a lot of talking and a lot of good vibes. Let me take you to the Nieuwe Forst, the building where these meetings took place. It's an old villa in the center of the mid-scale Dutch town of Tilburg, turned into a black box theater and a production house for the performing arts. It's a bit grand and at the same time has squeaky floors. A vibrant foyer, which leads to a beautiful, peaceful garden with lots of tables and chairs. The Dutch spring was on our side, so you'll hear me moving from the meeting room to the garden, coffee in hand. But before we go to the future of circus tents, I'd like to take you to the past first. Because think back, what was your first experience on the Rubik Top? What was it like? What did it smell like? What do you remember? I've asked some of the participants about their first experience on the Rubik Top. When I was very young, there was a circus, Circus Royale, in our city and we heard always the lions scream at home and then we go there every year so that was the first time and when I come home I was drawing the acrobats this was Anne programmer at Circus Festival and an architect who wrote her thesis on the history of circus buildings by the way well there's a kind of traumatic uh, experience Mark Managing director of Festival Circolo also has vivid memories of his first big top experience. Because I was, I think, five or six years old, and uh, I had my birthday, and uh, we went to the circus in The Hague. Uh, quite in the beginning of the show, I was playing with my shoe or something, and it fell down and it got under the tribune. So. I don't remember anything about the whole show, but I was only worrying how to get my shoe back. Many of the participants were very young when they first entered the Big Top. 
But Anna Gatt, executive producer of Compagnie EAEO, was in her 20s when she first visited the Big Top. And that first experience was mind-blowing. It was the huge inflatable bubble-shaped tent from Les Arceaux. Somebody else described entering the bubble of Les Arceaux as a rebirth. This is Anna Gatt. Long, reddish hair, tied back in a neat ponytail, leather jacket. She has a fantastic posture. Straight up. She's a former juggler, and you can still see it in the way she moves. 50 meters of diameter on the floor, 28 meters high. And when you get inside, you have to, to go through these special doors because it's an inflatable tent. It was my first experience, and I was like, that's amazing. Like, and then I quit study and I went to the circus. Actually, this fantastic inflatable tent also made me run away with the circus. This is the impact circus can have, and that the impact that big tops can have. Anna Gatt was present at Spark with architect Félix Chameroy to talk about their newly designed tent of Compagnie EAEO, which is an impressive large inflatable tent. Will inflatable tents be the home of circus for the future? I'll come back to that. Nowadays, contemporary circus has many shapes and forms. Companies tour in theatres, on the street, site-specific performances, but also still with big tops. What is it that makes working with circus tents so special? It's a, uh, it's very free. Uh, it's in the in the park. It's no theater. Everybody is free walking there. It's a big picnic. It's there, and uh, I think it's also a different show from normally theater shows. This is Yiri, founder and festival director of Letni Letna in Prague, the biggest circus festival of Czech Republic, which has been running for 18 years now. He has a friendly, calm face, greyish half-long hair which is combed back. Antonia, from Room 100 in Croatia, is a former circus artist and programme circus in her region. She has spiky short hair and the greenest, brightest eyes I've ever seen. What I really love about the circus tents are the family feeling and the family realities behind it. Although it's not a traditional circus and the people are not really like blood family, it's a different kind of, different level of, and a next level of collaboration. And I'm really like a little bit jealous of like people that own circus tents because when you own a circus tent, it means that you are not alone. It's not a solo project. It's always a project of a collective. Uh, one of my best days was uh, when we were buying a circus tent because we were dreaming of this uh, to buy a circus tent as a young artist. And for us, this was a far, far, far dream. Uh, so the moment when we decide to buy a circus tent and enter in this, uh, uh, this story, this life, uh, was one of the best moments. Uh, while I'm doing circus. This was Milan from Circus Vera in Belgrade. He's a fit guy who wore orange pants in honor of the Dutch King's Day. 
he was sitting next to Nikola, his colleague from Circo Rama, Zagreb. He's a big, friendly giant with huge, black, thick glasses. This is the house uh, without keys. It's never locked. From time to time you wake up in some new, new garden. Or, uh, I don't know, yeah. You wake up in the morning and uh, go out from the caravan and uh, you recognize, aha, okay, now I have a new yard. Okay, good. <laughs> and uh, try to explain the children, uh, no, no, now we are in uh, some other yard. Uh, ah, find uh, some new toys. <laughs> and then we have Tom from No Fit State Circus. He's a British tall, big guy with long, grey, curly manes who's been touring with circus for almost four decades. Um, when you travel with a big top and you travel with a company, um, uh, there's a real sense of community. Um, the company come together, they make the show together, they build the tent together, um, we build the seating, we load the lorries, we run the front of house, we sell the tickets. There's a real kind of spirit and an energy to traveling circus, you know, of people who live together, work together, party together, laugh, cry and eat. We put our, our hands, you know, our, our lives in each other's hands every day. That trust, that complicity, that bond is, is magical and it's bigger than, than, you know, you can see it. You, well, you can't see it, but you can feel it. It's not all sunshine and rainbows for those working with big tops. Will the next generation still be able to see shows or even work on the big tops? Is the future of circus at risk? And what are the main challenges? It's a big, big challenge how to uh, convince the authorities and the cities and the festival makers uh, to host circus, circus tents. And also I think the image of the circus is not uh, good everywhere. Most of the town in France, like they don't want to have circus in their town. One of the big challenges we face sometimes is uh, the uncertainty around the regulations. We go to different places, the regulations might be different, and, and how can you really know, you know, despite being as well prepared as you possibly can, you know, the day before we open, the man with the clipboard turns up and he goes around inspecting things. And this guy, he's not an expert in circus tents. He maybe sees a tent once a year, or maybe he's never even seen one before, but he has the authority as to whether we can open our show or not. Um, and it can be quite nerve wracking and quite, you know, make you quite anxious. Tom's story of the man with the clipboard became synonymous with all the rules and regulations. This man can really make your life complicated. But other places in Europe, like the Balkan region, there is a lack of control and regulations. This is Antonia again. There is a lack of uh, regulations. I mean, it's a, 
It's a good and a bad thing because you are not sure if you are doing all the safety things that you need to do uh, and if everything is okay. But on the other point, you are not bothered by the like some uh, very strict administration person coming and expect uh, like uh, investing if you did all the safety things. Another big challenge that was on top of everybody's mind was sustainability. If there's one thing they'd like to change, what would it be? Nix, a young producer from the UK, says... Yeah, some kind of way to make the travel more efficient. That's, that's quite a hard part of it, I think. Uh, right now, if someone could invent a way that we could tour um, for less carbon, that would be great. Um, but it's a real challenge because it's fundamental to the, to the itinerant lifestyle um, that, that there's a, an element of that involved. And then, once your tent is set up, your caravans are parked and you've got all the permits and stamps and permissions you need, you need one more very important thing to make a show happen. The audience! Circus under a big top is one of the most direct forms of performing arts. They literally try to get as close to their audience as they can. But in these times, with so much entertainment and possibilities around us, will the audience still come? I'm always uh, scared about uh, one thing, and uh, one thing is... uh empty tent or half of uh, public. When I come to the theater and uh, see 10 people in the public, for me it's completely normal and uh, I'm watching the show and I feel okay, but in the tent I don't feel good. This fear is also connected to another challenge that was very present throughout the conversations. Financial support and financial sustainability. Of course, Circus companies and festivals try to be as financially independent as they can and nobody's getting rich in the circus. But even in a country like France that's known for decades for its steady public funding of circus arts, budgets are under pressure. And it's even harder in countries like Croatia where politics don't even acknowledge circus as an art form. Here we have Antonia. For the big tops, but for the circus in general, is the the biggest challenge is the lack of financial support. So we really have to do the magic and to be a wizard, uh, how to uh, do so much things that we would like to do with such uh, small budgets. Well, there are really big challenges in uh, how to make this sustainable in a financial way, especially. Um, uh, because it's really a big investment for companies to uh, to work in a tent. I think it would be really hard in the current climate for young companies to start. And I'm concerned, you know, looking about who's coming up behind, where are the companies now that are coming to take the place? I mean, I'm nearly 60, you know, I'm not going to do this forever. I'd like to see some mechanism for supporting and encouraging and developing that a little bit more. Luckily, there's a saying that I love about circus, and it goes like this. Impossible, you say? Nothing's impossible in the circus. No challenge is too big to tackle with great solutions and ideas. 
the participants gathered in smaller groups to brainstorm about it. For example, to face the jungle of rules, Circa Strada's coordinator Stefan's group has thought up a plan. So on the short term, and it means by April 2023, we want to release a toolkit or a cookbook or a guide um, with rules and regulations in uh, almost every European country. Not the description of all the rules and regulations, but where to find them. For the um, midterm, we want to create a channel for companies and festivals to communicate and share and to always be able to ask questions if they need something. And we want to create in the future, between probably 24 28, a dedicated event um, for uh, Circus Intense. And Antonia's group came up with the following. We were talking about how we need to have just a meeting of policymakers and then we have to have a lobbying and writing a manifesto uh, for the circus tent and for circus as an art form in general. Festival Circolo and Circo Strada did not only invite people from the circus world these days, but also Rick Marcus, a Dutch designer who specializes in biodegradable furniture, was there to nourish the conversation. His group came up with some inventive solutions to become more sustainable. Um, the, so I, the idea that I really like is more for the long term. And we discussed when everybody's having their electrical battery in their car and everybody comes to the show, that they would all plug in their car um, and this would energize the whole show in order to turn out the lights and the, the music, etc. I like this idea too. And another one which also requires the audience input, is the following. Powering ourselves with poo. So having our, um, having the technology and the possibility to um, use compost toilets and then turn that compost into power, that would be amazing because you've just got a free constant cycle <laughs> of powering and fueling. Even, even you can have like vehicles moving on... Uh, this power, so that's, and also it'd just be quite funny almost, <laughs> like the poo circus. <laughs> Fun idea, right? But what a real surprising insight to me and other people I spoke to was, was that we might be beating ourselves up too much about how unsustainable touring is. Once you kind of figure out what the metrics are and dig deep down into the fact that it's a largely vegetarian lifestyle, it's communal living, it's all cooked, you know, it's, it's one kitchen to feed 40 people, it's very low impact, the lifestyle, you know, there's no commuting to work, we all live behind the tent. I think we'll be quite surprised actually as to how, how low carbon big top touring and how sustainable big top touring already is. Hopeful message, right? and something that can be researched further. Also, to counter the threat of less audience, Antonia's group has a massive list of ideas to connect with the audience. We speak a lot about audience and how we have to be more accessible to the audience, like lowering ticket price, uh, really um, making the, the site of the circus tent and uh, when the, where the circus is taking place more accessible, like um, 
taking care. There is no physical barriers for disabled people, uh, hiring uh, sign language interpreters, all of these uh, things that are really like it can be done now. Uh, but then we were also thinking that we have to have a, a really long, a strategic of audience development and really work with the groups that we want to attract, not only when there is a festival or when we are coming or organizing a circus tent to come, but it has to be true out the year because if you have a festival for month, one month, what happens with the 11th other months of the year? That's a call for action that gives food for thought. And how can we as a sector facilitate the circus talent of the future? How can we attract and support them to work under a big top? Anne gives her solution. What a really great idea is to make a, res a tent residency uh, space in Europe, and maybe tw uh, two on the longer term, uh, but start already now because there are tents empty and we could provide that artists there can create and make a show to, to learn what it is in circus life in the tent. Mark's group also had a bunch of fresh ideas to support young talent. Uh, maybe we have to create a circus next edition, especially for productions in tents. And maybe we have to, well, I think we have to work together on uh, two or three residency places in Europe of tents and really to stimulate people to work in a tent. And also I think it's, it's a challenge with uh, several festivals who are working with tents to say, can we make a kind of a standard for a tent that, like there are standards for theater, that there is a more or less a similar situation that some companies they can afford to buy a tent and to, to exploit it and uh, others they can't but, but want to work in a tent. So if we have five or six festivals and they have more or less the same tent then you can commission uh, to make productions for it. And then not everything has to travel, but only a small truck with the props and, uh, and, and, and the troupe who's playing the, uh, the show. Is your head spinning from all these ideas and thoughts? I can imagine so. So what will the future of the Big Top be? When I was preparing for these two days, I thought there would be a lot of talk around the aesthetics and the new shapes of the Big Tops, like the presentation of the new inflatable tent for company AIEO would be. Or that the future of circus tents would be designed as a biodegradable Big Top. But as the days passed, other matters had more urgency and came up all the time. Financial support, the incomprehensible web of rules and regulations throughout Europe, concerns about reaching the audience and how to create a sustainable future in the broadest sense of the word. So what does the future look like? 
I see many festivals, uh, many companies who sharing their, their knowledge, uh, connecting together and working together. Uh, many festivals with the circus tents and also uh, many audience attending. Mm, but yeah, I think that it's uh, the new generation is coming. It's normally and uh, uh, with uh, some new technology and uh, new new things. I don't know what what uh, can happen in the future, but uh, I think that the new generation it will find for sure some uh, some new way to to continue with the with the circus lifestyle in some new new crazy more crazy uh, 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 way for sure. Tom completely agrees with Nicola. The future of circus, in his words, um, always fresh, never standing still, never looking backwards. Um, you know, I love people who are pushing and developing the art form and taking it to new levels. So the superpower that you need is to be able to keep a team of exceptional people around you to keep them motivated, to keep them interested, to keep them passionate. Um, and then with that on your side, you can change the world. we're at the end of this podcast thank you so much for listening and hopefully see you soon at one of the Seeker Strada meetups this podcast was commissioned by Circo Strada and Festival Circolo interviews, production and host me, Maaike van Lange editing and coaching Geert Vlieger music via Blue Dot Sessions and many thanks to all the participants of Spark Tilburg, Festival Circolo, Theater de Nieuwe Forst, and of course, Circo Strada. Circo Strada is coordinated by Arsena and co-funded by the French Ministry of Culture and the Creative Europe program of the European Commission. If you want to know more about Circo Strada's networks, missions, activities, members, latest news and resources, check out circostrada.org